the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Good morning and welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide your family to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, Please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Again, good morning. What did we do to deserve this great weather? I'm so used to complaining about the weather in Northeast Ohio that I'm speechless. I look at the week ahead. The weather looks perfect. Just perfect. Just like the last week. Everywhere you drive, things look great. The trees, the crops, the lawns, they have that healthy shade of green. And the skies are blue with a few wispy clouds. The usual roadside markets are open, and the sweet corn and the tomatoes are the best. It's a great time to relax, relax and appreciate Mother Nature and all her beauty. At the end of the day, every day seems to be a great day, and the sleeping weather is perfect. Now's the time to plan what we want to do before the end of summer. Labor Day is only a month away. And while we're planning, let's review our financial goals and plans. This week, global equities were mostly down, not too much, though, with the three major U.S. indices slightly down. The European uh, European Union industries were mixed, and the Asian equities were down for the week. The Dow Jones Industrial closed Friday at 34,000. 
935.47, which was down uh, 0.36% for the week. The Standard and Poor closed down at Friday at 4,395.26, and it was also down 0.37 for the week. And the NASDAQ, it closed down on, it closed Friday at 14,672.68, which is down 1.1% for the week. That's that part of that rotation we're seeing in terms of, you know, the, the value versus the, uh, uh, the high tech. In the big picture, uh, you know, the new, var- new variants of the COVID are casting a cloud over the uh, global recovery. Nobody's quite sure of how to interpret this new uh, Delta variant, but uh, the U.S. economy grew rapidly in the first and second quarters and basically now exceeds its size before the pandemic. Uh, The U.S. GDP, which is the value of all goods and services, and that's how we measure the economy, produced across the country, stood at $19.2 trillion uh, in the final quarter uh, of 2019. That was the last quarter before the spread of the COVID that basically shut down the global economy. But in the U.S., rising vaccination rates, uh, widespread business reopenings, and a big infusion of uh, government uh, uh, you know, uh, stimulus uh, aid has helped uh, fund the uh, spring uh, burst of, of economic growth, and these actions in the U.S. will support a solid expansion through the year and into next year. That's according to the Economist, surveyed by the Wall Street Journal. The U.S. economy grew rapidly in the first and second quarters, and now exceeds its size before the pandemic. At the end of June, the gross domestic product stood at $22.72 trillion as opposed to what it was uh, before the, at the last quarter of 2019. I think it was 19.2. I just mentioned that number, uh, $19.2 trillion. So we're on the road, and we're making up for lost time. And in Europe, according to the European Commission, uh, Europe's economy is presently smaller than before the pandemic, but it's expected to uh, reach uh, pre-pandemic size before the fourth quarter. In fact, if you take a look at the uh, percentages of the vaccinations in the immunization, um, the European Union has caught up with the United States in terms of the percentages of of, uh, immunization. And in Asia, the spread of the new Delta variant of the COVID across Asia threatens to slow their recovery in the second half of the year. Uh, while widespread vaccinations in Western uh, countries have sparked an economic uh, boom in Asia, the resurgence of the COVID-19, particularly that Delta variant this summer, has hammered uh, consumer sentiment in many countries and settling the region's manufacturing supply chains. A uh, bright spot for the global activity uh, during the pandemic as uh, stay-at-home workers ordered more uh, consumer goods. But 
Asia was down this week. The International Monetary Fund lowered its growth forecast for uh, five Southeast Asia countries, Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, Thailand, and Vietnam. Factory activity in uh, China expand, expanded at a slower pace in June, in part due to the disruptions at one of the nation's largest ports caused by a COVID outbreak. Consumer spending in China, which has not yet recovered to pre-pandemic levels, should take a further hit as new clusters of the Delta variant are detected in more than a dozen Chinese cities this week, uh, promoting strict uh, lockdown measures. Meanwhile, many businesses have have become more efficient uh, as the pandemic forced them to switch their business model and embrace uh, uh, different changes. The U.S. economy has returned to its uh, pre-pandemic level of output, despite having uh, around 7 million uh, fewer workers. And that's a, that's a big concern to the uh, Federal Reserve. And it's a big concern to um, just about everybody. That uh, uh, Federal Reserve, I think, has indicated that they're going to keep uh, this accommodative uh, 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 monetary uh, program until they see some real progress in getting the uh, a lot of these people back to work. And uh, uh, this week, they saw a surge in uh, second quarter earnings release with 177 companies in the standard and four or 500 reporting. Everything from uh, Tesla and Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Ford, Chrysler, you name it. Uh, the earnings and uh, forward guidance uh, show the uh, recovery of the, uh, of the U.S. economy. In addition, the Federal Reserve conducted their Open Market Committee meeting on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, this week, they noted improvements in the economy and they indicated no changes. So they're going to keep the federal funds rates where they're at. They're going to continue their uh, uh, buying. Uh, the uh, federal funds rate are at zero to one quarter of one percent, and the monthly purchases of $120 billion per month of treasury bills and bonds and $40 billion per month of agency mortgage-backed securities from Fannie and Freddie. In the post, uh, after the meeting, during the question and answer uh, session, Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, indicated that they had uh, discussed the need to start planning for reducing that monthly uh, quantitative easing, uh, that monthly $120 billion uh, bond-buying operation, plus the, uh, uh, but where they were still a long way off. And uh, they emphasize that uh, uh, the unemployment situation with uh, the 7 million less workers than before the pandemic and indicated that they were going to hold hold the line, so to speak. But they were going to plan, not discuss it, I guess, uh, the the, the scuttlebutt is that they're going to start talking about it in... uh, more openly in the September meeting, and this is not what they said in the 
put questions and answers, but uh, then uh, start to put together a plan by November. Um, that's not to say they're going to implement the plan, but at least have a plan for starting to uh, incrementally reduce those uh, bond buying, that bond buying operation. And uh, so investors were looking for that information to say, okay, uh, one of the things that has been good for the recovery has been the very fact that uh, just about all the corporations and businesses uh, can borrow money very cheaply. And uh, that's been a big help in terms of this recovery because uh, the, the consumer uh, is flush with cash. And, you know, he's, uh, we've basically seen our houses go up um, in the Cleveland area, I think 14%. Over the last year, we've seen uh, our investment uh, increase. We've seen the, uh, some people have been pocketing the, uh, uh, the stimulus checks and putting that in the uh, their bank account. So the consumer feels flush, and uh, they're going out and, uh, and spending. They're noticing inflation, but uh, since they feel rich, they're not. They're not uh, too much concerned about paying the extra prices for the things that they want. So um, you're seeing the same thing with regard to businesses. The businesses have uh, um, they have all the uh, money that they need. The companies with good credit rates can issue ten-year bonds for next to well, I think it's uh, somewhere around three or four uh, percent. But things are good out there. In addition. Uh, the Department of Commerce reported that the personal consumption uh, index, this is similar to uh, the uh, uh, personal consumption expenditure index, is similar to the consumer price index in the sense that the Federal Reserve uses both of those uh, to gauge inflation. So uh, this week, the personal consumption expenditure index numbers came out for June and they indicated that the over the last 12 months, uh, the uh, index has gone up 4%, and the core uh, personal consumption expenditure has gone up 3.5%. That's the core is, is, is where they uh, uh, remove the, uh, in, the impact of uh, food and fuel. And that compares with the consumer price index that we reported last week, or maybe it was the week before. And that said that the consumer price index month to month um, for June had gone up nine tenths of one percent and gone up five point four percent year over year. And that's the one we noticed. And then the core consumer price index, where we eliminate the effects of food and fuel. That had gone up uh, the same thing monthly as 0.9%, so uh, almost 1%. And uh, over the last 12 months, it had gone up uh, 4.5%. So uh, what you're seeing here is that uh, uh, the Federal Reserve, uh, the inflation is going up, and the Federal Reserve, is indicating that uh, it's transitory and it will uh, die down by the end of the year. They're not saying it will die down to less than 2%, uh, 
uh, like it was over the last 10 years, but uh, who knows? We'll, we'll find out when it starts to die down towards the end of this year or maybe for the first quarter of next year. Uh, an interesting part about the uh, increase in the consumer pricing is that uh, the, uh, the June increase was the largest year over year uh, since 2008. And based upon the June Consumer Price Index data, uh, this is from the Investment News, uh, Mary Johnson, Social Security Analyst for the Senior Citizens League, projects that the uh, Social Security benefits uh, could increase 6.1% in 2022. That would be nearly five times the 1.3% COLA that we saw in January of 2021. Now, that's if uh, current inflationary trends continue through uh, September, and the results could be the largest annual cost of living increase in Social Security benefits since 1983. Now, you have to wait for the official numbers, uh, the official COLA, uh, for 2022, that'll be announced in October, and it's based upon the increase of the average consumer price index for the third quarter of 2021 over the previous year's uh, third quarter. So you have to go back to your gross domestic product reports and take a look at what the, uh, uh, the CPI rose for the third quarter of 2020, and then make a guess as to what that third quarter result is going to look like for uh, this third quarter coming up. So uh, it might be a number that makes a lot of people happy in terms of an increased uh, Social Security benefits for um, uh, for, uh, next year. Now, one of the things we do here is basically talk about the big picture, but we're really interested in the the micro picture, the picture of where we stand, you stand, uh, relative to your plans and uh, your goals, be it it when you're younger, goals of saving enough for a down payment on a house, uh, starting a family, uh, college education, and the biggest, uh, uh, the biggest amount of all is uh, planning for retirement, where you're going to have to um, gain enough or gather enough uh, uh, money to uh, uh, live for you from, let's say, 65 or 67 to 95. So uh, when you get your last paycheck, uh, uh, that 401k or 403b or 457 uh, money is going to be used to augment the Social Security or the pension uh, for the rest of your life. And, and basically, uh, those are the things that uh, if you have questions with regard to your plan and uh, how your plan is coming along, uh, that's where we work with our clients to say, okay, uh, what does it cost to run uh, your household uh, per month? What is it? Uh, what income is coming in, and how steady is the income? And how can you allocate 
certain portions of your income. I think Warren Buffett said that uh, uh, saving isn't what you have at the end of the month. You put down your savings and your spending is what you have at the end of the month. So uh, it's a matter of allocating that money to the different uh, goals that you have and the discipline to um, kind of sit and watch your nest egg uh, in terms of is it growing properly? Uh, do you have to make changes? Uh, where do you stand? Do you make have, do you have to make changes to your goals? Uh, or uh, do you have to make changes to the amount of money that you're allocating to the different parts of this thing? So you can give us a call. We have a toll-free number. It's one eight eight eight. 281-1110. That's 1-888-281-1110. And we'd be glad to talk to you about uh, uh, not only what's going on in the big picture, but what's going on in the, in the so, speak, so to speak, in the micro picture versus the macro picture. So uh, give us a call. It's 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. What's the matter with the clothes I'm wearing? Can't you tell that your tie's too wide? Maybe I should buy some old tab collars. Welcome back to the age of jive. Where have you been hiding out lately, honey? You can't dress as flashy till you spend a lot of money. Everybody's talking about the new sound. Funny, but it's still rock and roll. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. is one 888 You know, one of the things that um, the bright spot of the economy so far has been uh, new home construction. And uh, new home construction is, is basically uh, uh, started in uh, well, immediately after the shutdown ended. If you recall last year in uh, 2020, uh, March and April were really uh, uh, the economy basically shut off. And uh, one of those months, there were 17 million workers were let go. So uh, ever since that time, uh, Home construction has been on a tear, and basically home sales have too. The housing market has been basically hot because uh, the, the people are uh, have more working flexibility, and they can work at home now. Uh, right now, the students attending class were on the internet, and uh, the virus, the concern about the virus, was forcing people out of the city and into the uh, into the suburbs, more room and more spacing. And uh, the low interest rates also had a big part of it. But uh, new single-family homes construction, are now they're now facing headwinds, and they're now slowing down uh, relative to the uh, previous growth. But they're still, uh, uh, for the year, they're still above the uh, COVID uh, um, production and the headwinds that they're 
uh, construction they're running into or uh, operational constraints, such as difficulty finding uh, skilled workers. Uh, uh, the price of everything is, is going up, although the price of things are coming down now, too, as the pace of home, new home construction is uh, coming down. The prices are coming down, too. For instance, lumber uh, was doubled in price and is now coming down, but certain parts of the lumber category are still way up there. Uh, existing uh, improved lot, uh, who's got scarce, uh, and people are starting to go back to work in the uh, and the, uh, the city, and uh, the kids are going back to full-time classes. So sales for single-family homes in uh, June were down 6.6% from May and down basically 19.4% below June uh, levels 12 months earlier. Uh, but you got to remember that, that June 2020 uh, was high because the economy was really beginning to rebound in June of uh, 2020. The demand is strong, and while sales for new homes, uh, new homes year-to-date is up if we compare year-to-date for 2020 versus 2021, we see that uh, uh, year-to-date in the new home sales uh, were 376,000 in 2020 and 427,000 in uh, 2021, up 13.5%. Uh, One of the things that's slowing down uh, new home or any home sales basically is the prices. The prices of new single family home sales is climbing. Uh, although the median single family home price in June uh, it was at uh, 
sky high. So basically what you're seeing is that 65% of the homes are priced from $200,000 to $400,000, which means that uh, people are being priced out of the new home market entirely. And uh, uh, the uh, uh, new home uh, emphasis is in the higher end of the uh, uh, the uh, income range. And uh, uh, what, you're, what you're running into now is that the uh, sales are moving downward because of the higher prices and also probably because the uh, people feel less uh, uh, intimidated by the uh, the uh, COVID anymore. Now, what you think? One thing you see there is that new homes are a very very small portion. New home sales are a very small portion of the uh, uh, home sales. Home sales have been hot uh, for the last year in terms of the existing homes and. Uh, Last week, we indicated that uh, existing home prices, according to the National Association of Realtors, uh, stood uh, increased 23.4% in June from June of 2020. So uh, home prices growth has accelerated in the last year as buyers competed fiercely for a limited number of homes on the market. You know, people... Um, it's a classic supply and demand. The demand is there, but the supply isn't. Uh, people didn't want people trapsing through their houses in the middle of the pandemic, and uh, but other people wanted to buy houses because they wanted more living space, and the interest rates were super low. So uh, basically, what you're seeing is that. Uh, uh, one place you can, the National Association of Realtors mentioned that their median house price had gone up 23.4% over the past year. But there's another organization uh, where we do get uh, another source for home price uh, information, and that's the standard of four or 500, uh, Case Schiller uh, Home Price Index, which uh, uh, they actually track monthly uh, the price of typical uh, single-family home in, in 20 metropolitan areas in the U.S. And the data goes back about 30 years, and it shows home prices going up and down every month in 20 metropolitan areas. And one of those metropolitan areas is Cleveland. And the latest release for May, uh, prices was posted uh, Tuesday, and it shows the Cleveland uh, home prices were up 13.6% over the last 12 months. That's with a Cleveland metropolitan area. I'm sure in certain areas of, the, of that Cleveland metropolitan area, they've gone up much higher and there's been I'm talking to my clients. I'm astounded at the bidding wars that go on in terms of uh, conducting an open house where uh, 30 people wander through your house in, in a weekend, and uh, uh, a bidding war starts out that ends up with uh, you getting more for your house than you asked for. So Cleveland was up 13.6% over the last 12 months, Denver 17.4%, and Washington, D.C. 14.8%. So uh, there's an analysis that uh, 
Craig uh, Lassera, uh, Lazaro. Uh, he's the managing director and global head of the index investment strategy at Standard & Poor. Uh, he indicated that uh, housing price growth set a record for the second consecutive month in May of 2021. The National Composite Index marked its 12th consecutive month of accelerating uh, prices with a 16.6 gain from year-ago levels. And that uh, last month, April, uh, that they reported on, the gain was 14.8%. So the price, according to their analysis, as of May, the prices were accelerating. Uh, this acceleration, the, the, the market strength continues to be broadly based and all 20 all 20 cities rose and all 20 gained more in the 12 months ending in May than they had gained in the 12 months ending in April. Prices in 18 of our 20 cities now stand at all-time highs as do the national uh, composite. Uh, that's an unquote. Uh, he then indicated that a month ago, uh, he described April's performance as truly extraordinary, and this month he finds himself running out of superlatives. The 16.6% gain is the highest reading in more than 30 years of, of uh, standard and poor case-shiller data, and and uh, as was the case last month, five cities, Charlotte, Cleveland, Dallas, Denver, and Seattle, joined the National Composite, recording their all-time highest 12-month gain. Uh, price gains in all 20 cities were in the top, court, top quarter of historic performances. And uh, he indicated that uh, uh, the prices are uh, accelerating and uh, uh, there's no telling. Well, there is a telling when you know, the prices get too high or the interest rate goes up. Uh, but it's an indication that uh, home prices are going up, and that's one of the reasons that the uh, the uh, consumer uh, feels confident in coming out and uh, being part of the economic recovery. Uh, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our free number. It's one 888 Adrian will be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultant Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. 
Now back to more Get Rich Slow. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You know, over the over the last several months, we've been talking about the great strides in the economy and also the great strides in the in the stock markets. And uh, and uh, you know, it's, it's basically uh, almost like a perfect sunset. Uh, I was going to say perfect storm, but that has a negative connotation. But it's like a perfect sunset where we basically have uh, um, freedom for all, basically all the consumers, uh, and they're uh, flush with cash in terms of uh, uh, their house increases and asset increases, investment increases, and, and uh, stimulus cash. And uh, uh, the Federal Reserve is keeping the interest rates low, which is Terrible for the savers, but uh, and good for the uh, stock and uh, investors. Uh, all these good things are basically, uh, you know, driving this, this economy uh, uh, back past where it was before. In other words, we're on a uh, we've gone from 2000 and the, the last quarter of 2009. We went into the First quarter of 2020, where we we should basically shut down in April and May, and now we're coming back uh, stronger than ever. Uh, this week, investors were looking to Jerome Powell, the the, uh, uh, the secretary, the uh, chairman of the Federal Reserve. Uh, during the this week, they had a Federal Open Market Committee meeting that was held uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, and uh, uh, investors were particularly interested in when and how the Fed uh, uh, would begin uh, <clears throat> begin uh, raising the interest rates. They can raise the interest rates uh, basically two ways. One is reducing their quantitative easing. That's their buying of $120 billion of U.S. Treasury bills. And, uh, and the other is... Uh, with forty billion dollars of uh, mortgage-backed securities, uh, and or and they can also start increasing the federal funds rate, which are now uh, zero to one quarter of one percent. So this week they had the Federal Open Market Committee meeting, and uh, during the question and answer uh, following the meeting, Jerome Powell in his opening statement stressed the economy is improving but is still in recovery. Uh, quote, uh, necessitating uh, continued policy accommodations until maximum employment is achieved and inflation holds moderately above the Federal Reserve's 2% target for some time. So uh, in the uh, question and answer, he noted that the major labor market has a way to go before it is the it will exhibit the sort of substantial improvement that policymakers see as required before beginning to consider reducing the monetary policy accommodation. So basically what they're saying is that uh, 
Uh, don't look for things to turn around, uh, you know, next month or even next quarter. Uh, you didn't, you didn't lay out a plan for it, but, uh, he said, although asset purchases are under review, Powell emphasized that the Federal Open Market Committee, uh, is data dependent. And so far, the incoming data does not meet the federal Fed threshold for substantial improvement, even with the current robust pace of economic recovery. He said uh, the uh, uh, the quantitative easing matter was under consideration, uh, quote, meeting by meeting, and we are, quote, moving in that direction. He repeated that... Uh, Advance notice would be given well ahead of any changes uh, to quantitative easing. Uh, and the quantitative easing, that, that means that uh, they're going to start to step down sometime in the future whenever they decide that the uh, uh, employment uh, situation is right. They're going to start to step down this additional buying. And after they get that done, then they'll start to step up the uh, interest rate, so but they don't have a, they don't they don't show a schedule for that yet. Uh, although uh, discussing the taper uh, in the qualitative easing, the Federal Open Market Committee hasn't yet isn't yet ready to pair back purchases of Treasuries or mortgage-backed securities. In response to a question. Powell said that he thought the effect of buying treasuries and mortgage-backed securities were much the same for the Fed's purposes, and although no decision had been made, both are likely to see proportional tapering in the size of the purchases. There is little, uh, he said, there is little support for tapering mortgage-backed securities faster than treasuries. Uh, Powell said that the Federal Open Market Committee is being as transparent as it can, quote-unquote, about its plans for asset buy, buys and uh, the liftoff for interest rates. On the other hand, uh, quote, it's not on our radar screen. So the, the implication is that uh, it's far away. And uh, from some of the results that some of the financial houses have put out, uh, the expectation is that uh, they might start uh, uh, revealing that plan sometime in uh, November, and uh, they might even start their um, uh, interest rates reduction, or their buying, not interest rate reduction, their buying of uh, bonds and uh, for treasuries and mortgage-backed securities starting after the first of the year, and uh, uh probably ending by uh, the end of 2022. So uh, that was was an interest to what's going to happen in the stock market because one of the things that's been keeping this, um, the markets up has been the uh, the, uh, quantitative easing. Uh, The U.S. economy uh, continues to strong recovery the first and second quarters of this year have produced a perfect, uh, basically, sunrise. So in terms of, hey, we've got the the vaccines were introduced, uh, the Pfizer, the Moderna, the J&J, 
the uh, immunization has progressed uh, to protect the most vulnerable, even though there's a lot of press about uh, the the new uh, Delta variant from India. Uh, 85% of those over 65 have been immunized so far, and uh, uh, the numbers that uh, have, for instance, those people over 50, I think something like 60% of those have been immunized so far, too. So uh, consumers are now free again to travel, visit their friends, and visit restaurants. And uh, spending that six trillion dollars with the federal government stimulus, and uh, the U.S. economy uh, is, has grown past where it was before the uh, recession in uh, uh, March, February, March, and April of last year. And uh, the gross, according to the uh, Department of Commerce report on Thursday, gross domestic product. Uh, grew at a six and a half percent annual rate for the second quarter, up from the six and a half, six point three percent growth in the first three months of the year, and the reading was beyond or what it was reading was below economist estimate, but pushed the size of the economy above its pre-pandemic level, uh, a milestone that underscores the speed of the recovery that began in May. Of 2020. Uh, the uh, disappointment is that growth isn't better, and you can blame basically a fall in inventories and private business investment. Domestic investment fell 3.5% in the quarter, second quarter, after falling 2.3% in the first. Uh, also, home building slowed as to businesses spending on structures. Uh, the investment slowdown is surprising given the tr- trend in consumer spending and demand is rising across the economy that producers aren't scaling up at the same pace, which could mean further price increases in the coming months. So businesses are having a hard time increasing production amid uh, supply shortages as they are drawing down inventories to meet the demand for goods. The gross domestic product report also flashed another warning sign on inflation. The producer price index, uh, the uh, personal consumption expenditure price index was 6.4% for the second quarter after rising 3.8% for the first. this trend is not the, the middle class's friend, and excluding food and energy, uh, the personal consumption expenditure index goes 6.4, 6.1%. If you recall earlier, we were talking about an increase in the COLA for Social Security in uh, 2022. And uh, uh, the numbers. Uh, uh, for this quarter that just passed, the second quarter, uh, uh, the, uh, the personal consumption expenditure price index was 6.4%. So I suspect that the CPI rose even more. So uh, that indicates that, that that high number for the COLA 
is probably accurate, uh, but nobody knows what the exact number will be until October. Uh, still, many uh, analysts expect that supply constraints and bottlenecks uh, to ease as the as the year goes on and demand, particularly for long-lasting goods that consumers snatched up earlier in the pandemic, is basically starting to moderate. As a result, firms have more time to work through order backlogs and increases in production. Uh, many economists say inventory, this is from the Wall Street Journal, say inventory and replenishment could boost, should boost output in the coming quarters. The strong comeback in consumer demand this spring has, uh, has been a double-edged sword for many businesses. Uh, sales have boomed, allowing companies to recover losses. The growth has been so rapid, others have found it difficult to keep pace. In other words, uh, um, basically, uh, I, uh, when I'm talking to my client, the, the, the recovery, uh, the characterization of the recovery, uh, in my mind, is that one cartoon that I think everybody has seen somewhere taped to some wall wherever they worked at, and it shows a, a picture of uh, the caption on the cartoon is, uh, you want this when? And uh, it shows a bunch of munchkins rolling around on the floor laughing uh, at your request that uh, you want this when. So basically what you're seeing is uh, companies are putting in orders for uh, increasing their inventory and their products, and uh, uh, the orders are being delayed because of the supply chain problems, and the prices are going up, and that's going to continue until uh, uh, maybe the end of this year, maybe this the first quarter of next year. So, um, but all in all, these are good management problems, and basically that's what we pay managers for. So. Uh, this is Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to, this is Jim McAleese. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. Uh, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Uh, Colleen, do we have a question? We, we do. Let's we do. Light go on. <laughs> we do have a question, Jim. Um, so David gave us a call. And he says, being that our house has appreciated nicely over the years, he's wondering about some of the details he needs to consider if he should sell 
or gift the house while he's still alive. Um, David and his wife have two children that would like the property. However, one of them is not interested at this present time. So what should he think about while while considering this? Okay. Uh, there's a lot of consideration. This is part of uh, basically part of the state planning. And uh, uh, if you're looking to move or to put your, your home's uh, equity to use elsewhere, by selling the uh, home to a child or, or perhaps another heir, be aware that if you sell the house for less than the fair market value, the difference between the sale price and the market value, that's going to be subject to the gift taxes. So if you give your house to a child during your lifetime, such as through a deed transfer, uh, the cost basis won't change. And that means that the capital gains in any future sales will be calculated using your original price rather than the value of the, uh, the, the home at the date of transfer. And uh, so so if you look, look at it, there's, there's basically three methods of leaving the home to the heirs. One is the uh, uh, last, last will and testament, and you can use your will to, uh, to designate to whom the, the house should go and what proportions, or you can do a affidavit for transfer on death. If uh, probate is a concern, you might be able to go to a lawyer and put together an affidavit for transfer on death for you. We'll transfer it. Now, how they're going to... Uh, two of the kids, you know, I don't understand the concept that two of the kids would like the property, and one is not that interested in right now, and that's the best. that happens in a lot of cases. And uh, if you do uh, transfer it, uh, uh, you know, if you do give it to the kids as a or sell it to the kids, uh, uh, you've got that um, capital gains. But if you, if you do hold it on to hold on to it to your death, you've got to step up in cost value, and then the children can basically have the home and they'll um, they'll not be responsible for any um, uh, capital gains for the house. Now, if you sell the house to the kids, you still have that. Uh, you get a $250,000 per person or $500,000 exclusion uh, of the uh, capital gains. So either way, you're, you'll be in good shape there. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. We are very, very busy people with a lot of commitments to our families, commitments to our jobs, commitments to our community, and to ourselves, and how we allocate our time to get the most important thing done is worth thinking about. Imagine this way. Imagine if you had a bank account that deposited $86,400 into your account each morning. The, the, the account carries over no balance from day to day allows you to keep no cash balance, 
And every evening cancels whatever part of the amount you failed to use during the day. Oh, what would you do? Well, the obvious answer is you draw out every dollar each day. And we all have such a bank, and its name is time. Every every morning it credits you with 86,400 seconds, and every night it writes off as lost whatever time you fail to use wisely. It carries no balance from day to day. It allows no overdraft, so you can't borrow against yourself or use more time than you have. Each day, the account starts fresh, and each night it just destroys any unused time. If you fail to use the day's deposit, it's your loss, and you cannot appeal any, to anybody to get it back. There's never any borrowing without time. You can't take a loan out of your time or against anybody else's. The time you have is the time you have. That's it. So, time management, basically it's yours to decide how you spend your time, just as with the money. You, you have to decide how you want to spend your money. It's never the case for us not having enough time to do things. That's always a complaint, but it's never really a valid complaint. We do have enough time to do things, but the case is whether we want to do them and where they fall in our priorities. We only have a finite amount of time, so the message is use your time wisely. So basically, what you don't want to do is think about what you want to do, prioritize it, allocate your time wisely, and so basically you Enjoy your time because we need it here next week for more get rich, get rich slow. And may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.